Good morning, church. I'm excited to bring a new sermon series for the next five weeks entitled The Gifts of Crisis. And I know those two words don't seem like they should go together, gifts and crisis. Crisis seems bad. We know it's bad. And gifts seem good, although sometimes they're better than others. But I believe as we look at our Bibles and study leaders, the leaders of our faith, that so frequently we actually discover that it is the moments of crisis where gifts are birthed and leaders step into greater authority. And so I thought it would be appropriate for us as we live into this extended crisis to make sure that we are learning and listening to God. So as we jump in today to our text, let me pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would come, minister to us, illuminate what you would have for us, give us gifts in this time of crisis. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. Well, I want to read to you our primary scripture this morning. It is a scripture that will come from the message version, Eugene Peterson's, the late great pastor, Eugene Peterson's version of the Bible known as the message. And it comes from Matthew 5, 3. You'll you'll find it on the screens. It says this, You are blessed when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. The author Terry Welling puts the moment we are in really well, and he asks the question, what if at the moments where we want to do nothing but get out of them, that God is coming in. That God is coming in powerfully. And whereas before, we were not ready to hear from God, now, in the moment of crisis, we are open, ready, and looking for something new and different. You see, before we read this scripture, before COVID and the pandemic, my suspicion is that you would have heard these words, blessed are those who are at the end of their rope, and you would have thought, man, Whoever is at their end of the rope just really got encouraged. Or, well, that's really cool that maybe one day when I get to the end of my rope, I have some options. But I suspect now, like me, when you read, blessed are those who are at the end of their rope, you're saying, I'm listening. I hear you. I could say I've gotten to the end of my rope one or two times or every day in this crisis. 
And yet, how am I blessed? How is the blessing of God upon me in this moment? What could I possibly receive from God at this moment of crisis? Well, we know that crisis lead to transitions. They lead to change. And the question for us is, what change will that be? Well, so much of that depends on whether we lean in to what God has for us during crisis or whether we lean out. And I want to encourage you on three things to pay attention to when we're talking about being at the end of ourselves and what is possible. The first gift of being at the end of your rope is emptiness. The second is reliance. And the third is a birthing place for something totally new. So let's talk about emptiness. So much of the time, we fill ourselves with things that are just not quite as important in our lives. We each have a certain amount of things that we can receive and retain and hold in each season of our lives. And we fill ourselves up, don't we? We fill ourselves up with the concerns of others and the ways that they see us. We fill ourselves up with junk advertisements and junk email and junk food. And we fill ourselves up with this feeling that We need to get the next rung on the ladder. We fill ourselves up with, what was it about what that person said to me? Are they mad at me or are they not? And let's spend the next three weeks thinking about that comment and how it affected me and just trying to passive-aggressively interpret the world. And we fill ourselves up with likes. We fill ourselves up with the desire to get attention we, and fit in. We fill ourselves up with this low expectation of what God can do at church, at church on the internet. We fill ourselves up with low expectations for what God can do in general. We fill ourselves up with these burdens of needing answers and needing to be right and to have the right comments so that we can look smart or that we can feel like we have it all together. We fill ourselves up. And the problem with that is when Jesus comes and he wants to put his teaching and his power into us, there's no more room for him. We can simply say at times that maybe we got nothing out of church or nothing out of this conversation or our scripture reading this morning, but I want to ask you the question, is it because we are already full of so much other stuff that we just simply don't have any more room for what God wants to do? And so Jesus looks upon that crowd that had followed him up the mountainside and maybe they didn't know everything about who Jesus was, but they knew he had something that they were 
hungry for. And so Jesus speaks without a microphone on that mountaintop, and they lean in to listen to his words. And as they lean in, they hear, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And then they think, that's me. I have no answers. I've come to the end. I'm out here in the wilderness. I'm with this teacher who has no place to lay his head. And as he speaks these words of truth, they lean in and they receive this encouragement from Jesus saying, you've come. You've come open and empty and not full of all of these other things. And so let me give you the teachings that will shape the world and change and transform the world called the Sermon on the Mount because you are open and ready. And so if you identified with feeling like you are at the end of your rope, the gift of that crisis is that you have discovered that you cannot do this on your own and you begin to have this acute awareness of your soul's longing for what God has to offer again. You know, Jesus pours himself out into ministry and even he becomes poor in spirit and so as he pours himself out into the people he encounters, to care for them, to give them mercy and liberation and healing, he ends up being poured out and he, he encounters people that give him a hard time and question him and uh, say frustrating things, say things that are just simply um, not connected to his mission or what he's about, lie about him. And so he needs to go to quiet places to be filled up again into even Jesus, even God on earth, who is both God and human needed moments to be filled up. And so he came to his heavenly father poor in spirit, and he asked God, would you fill me up again? Have you come empty this morning? How many reminders do we need that man alone is not the solution to the problems that we are facing, both inside and outside. As fires blaze and the pandemic spreads, we are reminded again that man is not in control of nature. And so the question is, as we realize what this crisis is and what it does, how will we respond? Will we make room for the spaciousness and graciousness of God that wants to come and fill us up? 
to do so, we need to, again, be reminded of who is ultimately in charge. And so that moves us into our next point from going from being empty to going into reliance on God. There are many times in Scripture where God is trying to align his people with his purpose and mission. And so he he needs to move people into different seasons in the church, into different seasons based off of what is going on so that they can become more aligned with his purposes and his missions within the world. And sometimes those look totally different than the way we would choose or try and control God into moving. And of course, now we see that God is moving us into a season of wilderness. And when God moved those first followers of his, the community of Israel, into wilderness, there was a specific lesson that they were supposed to learn. It was a message about the direct hand of God. And I want to read to you from Deuteronomy chapter 6 about what God really wanted to teach them. Now, this is a section that is actually preparing the people of Israel to go into the promised land. But as they're getting ready to go into the promised land, God wants them to remember what they had just learned in the wilderness. In fact, he is so desperate for them to learn this that he tells them that they should write this message on the door frames of their house, that they should attach it to their garments, that they should repeat it day and night and prayerfully and teach their children and teach generations and generations about it. And that's the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But then the scripture continues on, and there's more instruction in Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12, and it says this. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, Wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who has brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. In the promised land you will drink from wells that you did not dig and live in houses you did not build. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I remember a time when I was on, on a missions trip into Tanzania, Africa, and I had been there for a while, and I still had this longing and craving for the food that I was used to back home, and so I went into a restaurant, and it was a restaurant where they made chicken tenders, And I went in, and as I was walking in, I saw that there were all of these chickens around the restaurant. And so I didn't think much of it, and then I went inside, and I waited for an hour, and I waited for two hours, 
And then finally, this plate of chicken came to my table and I couldn't help but have the sneaking suspicion that one of those chickens that I had seen walking into the restaurant was now on my plate. Now, for most people, in most contexts throughout history, that wouldn't have been that startling. But for me, and the way that I get my food, this was a little bit creepy. Because I was not used to having food that had just been killed and to see the living thing that had died so that I could be nourished. What God is doing in this instruction in Deuteronomy 6 is he's saying you are going to enjoy the fruit of somebody else's labor and as you do that, may you never forget what God has done. The deliverance that he has produced. You see, before COVID, it was so easy to just sit in our nice houses by the beach with a low-grade emptiness, isolation, and depression. Wondering, what is it all for? What is the purpose of my being? But then, as crisis hits and things are taken away, we realize just how much that ambient depression was actually preventing us from seeing the gifts of air, the gifts of school and teachers, the gifts of singing and community and hugs. And so, so now, as we're in the wilderness, we are forced to see that everything is a gift from God. And we are given the privilege of eating directly from his hand. Because what we thought we were in control of, this illusion of control has been blown to bits and now we can again remember that there's no such thing as a five-year plan in the wilderness. That there is only one step at a time looking up at the Spirit of God that hovers over us and waiting for the Spirit of God to move so that we can move each and every day and trying our best to not get ahead of the Spirit of God, but to say right-centered underneath the Spirit of the living God. And if so, we can begin to learn that even in crisis that God's hand is providing for us in all of these ways that we were not acknowledging before. God is teaching us reliance. As we get desperate, God gets powerful. 
And there's more room for his kingdom to do its work in us. So we've talked about emptiness and reliance. And so let's talk about the new thing that God wants to do in this season. One of the most profound scriptures, I believe, for the church to reflect on in this season comes from the book of Isaiah 43. Would you hear these words? Do not call to mind the former things. Pay no attention to the things of old. Behold, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. When we get out, God is coming in. God always starts with personal renewal in order to bring about corporate renewal. And while things may appear like they are falling apart, getting worse than ever, God is taking all of this nonsense, all of this fighting, all of this evil that is forming against us, and he is turning it on its head. And what he's doing is exposing the lies that were already there that are now being amplified. And so we can see them in plain light. And they're being exposed. And so for the group that will come to God poor in spirit, there is this opportunity to say with all of these things stacked against us, we are going to go to our knees. We're letting them drive us to our knees. And there we will intercede and contend in the spirit. And we will align our hearts with the spirit of God. We will realign and readjust our hearts to be so in line with the spirit of God that he will bring internal renewal within us that will then birth the new thing that God wants to bring forward out of this crisis. What a gift, what an opportunity, what a time we have as things are stirring that God would begin to move and shape and transform and create resilient, hopeful disciples that no matter what is formed against them, believe that God will take and make something beautiful out of them. Joseph, in the book of Genesis, despite being sold into slavery by his own brothers, is faced with this moment, you remember, we've taught about it before, where his brothers are coming to him, and he has this question of whether he's going to reveal himself to them. He's come to this moment of great power and privilege, and his brothers are now reliant on him in this famine that they are going through, and they come to Joseph, and he tells them this beautiful truth from Genesis 50. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Lord, may it be so that all of this change and transition, all of the evil 
that seeks to take us down, may it just drive us into utter reliance on you. May it empty us of all of these things that we've filled ourselves up with that do not matter. And may it make a new way in the wilderness for something beautiful to come in the most unexpected place. And what was meant to tear us apart will be used for your good, Lord Jesus. May it be so, may it be so, O Lord Jesus. May it be so. Amen.